Welcome to the Staying Ageless Podcast, a show that will equip you with the major keys to achieve extraordinary longevity. This is your girl, Asosa E, also known as Raw Girl. I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach. And today on the show, we'll be chatting about how to prioritize self-care. To get this longevity party started, I'm going to give you guys my definition of self-care. And later, we will chat with Janae DeFelicis, a wellness writer and self-proclaimed stress and mindset coach. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you tuning in from all over the world. Shout out to listeners in Mozambique, Uganda, Australia, France, Germany, the UK, South Africa, and of course the USA. If today's show inspires you, I'm inviting you to go ahead and subscribe and please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and write a review. It means the world to me to get feedback, so any reviews are much appreciated. And in case you missed the memo last episode, the big news was that we've expanded to video. I am back in full effect on YouTube as the Raw Girl, and for every episode of the podcast, we will have a video interview where you can watch my conversation with our guests. So take a moment, run on over to YouTube, and subscribe to my page, The Raw Girl. And while you're there, you can check out today's video interview and the videos from the last couple episodes. All right, all right. Today, I'm really excited to chat about self-care. I feel like it's a buzzword that's been thrown around a lot. There's a lot of people proclaiming it to be self-care experts. People are telling people that self-care should be a priority, and I agree. I just have my own particular definition of self-care because I really do believe that in order to be well and live in our best life, we have to have a baseline that just covers all of our base needs, and then we can start doing pampering activities. And that's usually a lot of times what people think of when they think of self-care, like, girl, I just got this manicure, or, you know, I just got my hair done. And it's like, sis, you have diabetes. How about we handle that? And then we can deal with the manicure. And the... So for me, the, there's a baseline level of care that has to be taken. And then we can add on like all of these other awesome things. It's like icing on the cake. But before I get into my definition of self-care, I'm super excited to let you know that on February 28th, my eight-week program, Staying Ages 30 Plus, is back. Yes. If you did not know, Staying Ageless is my signature program in which women have reversed hypertension, reversed diabetes, lost up to 30 pounds, balance hormonally, resolve their gut issues, discontinue their medication, and the list goes on and all of this happens again within an eight-week period. This course is for you if you are interested in staying fly until you're 99 or close to it. Um, if you need to figure out exactly what diet and exercise is best for you. And also if you really need to create lasting healthy habits, we are taking calls for anyone who is interested in staying ageless 30 plus starting this week. So click the link in the show notes or go to my website, therawgirl.com and sign up for a time to chat with me or a member of my team and see if ageless is the right fit for you. Okay. So self-care. So I believe that before we begin to practice pampering, spa days, that the fundamentals of our self-care involve us working towards holistic wellness. And if we neglect the foundational aspects of our wellness, self-care just becomes this band-aid that we're putting over a deeper wound that needs our attention. So we demonstrate care for ourselves by giving our bodies what it needs to thrive. 
How many of y'all have ever taken medicine to solve a health issue? You can raise your hand. I'm just going to pretend I can see you because <laughs> I'm pretty sure everybody has their hand up. Medication definitely has its place, but it's very important to note, and this is something that I do in my practice and with every single client I see, that every medication has side effects and also depletes nutrients that are essential for us to thrive. And so in my practice, where I work with thousands of clients with chronic conditions and some who've also had long-term issues like depression and anxiety, it's always surprising that some of the medications that people are taking that are supposed to be solving their problems actually deplete the nutrients that their body needs to improve. Um, So that is a huge thing that definitely to be wary of. So for me, for the purpose of self-care, the acronym that I use is Take Your Meds, and it's M-E-D-S-S. Um, and this you can use to remember to hit the fundamentals in your own life if each letter stands for what I believe is an essential part of self-care. So M is for mindfulness. Mindfulness encompasses a range of activities designed to re- reduce stress, increase the mind-body connection, get us to stop letting our thoughts just like run rampant <laughs> um, and get in a way of us living our best lives, that whole monkey mind thing. Mindfulness activities can include meditation, prayer, silent reflection, deep breathing, qigong, yoga, tai chi, walking meditations, and some form of mindfulness lend themselves to stillness, but some people actually do better when they're in movement. I have some clients who are like this. So if you respond better to things that involve movement, you might want to err on the side of walking, meditation, yoga, even swimming, which all could be very stress relieving. Research has proven that there is many benefits to mindfulness. We know that it reduces the stress hormone cortisol. It reduces the risk of mental illness. It improves your mood, improves your sleep, lowers your blood pressure, improves the retention of learning material, helps to curb binge eating or help with eating disorders. There's so many studies on this, um, but one meta-analysis study on the effects of mindfulness meditation on the brain was conducted by a team of researchers at the University of British Columbia. And the study was titled, Is Meditation Associated with Altered Brain Structure? This systematic review meta-analysis of neuroimaging and meditation practitioners, so they took images of the brain, it concluded that the brains of the meditators were structurally different from those of non-meditators. The brains of the consistent meditators were also found to have thicker tissue in those regions responsible for body awareness, enhanced focus, stress management, and attention control. These observations reflect a larger truth about brain neuroplasticity. Basically, throughout a human being's entire life, it is actually possible for our brains to undergo positive structural change. And meditation is actually something that can facilitate that. Meditation studies have also given us a sneak peek of what actually happens when we practice. According to the research that I just mentioned, Brain regions are activated while others are deactivated during meditation. So with regular practice, the amygdala, which is the brain region linked with processing sadness, anxiety, and all of our negative emotions, it actually shrinks in size. Super cool. So E is for exercise. Research has shown us that exercise makes us look years younger, reduces stress, elevates mood, strength training actually protects our joints. We know that. And also exercise increases the production of BDNF, brain-derived nootropic factor. BDNF actually causes new neurons to grow in our brain, which improves our ability to learn faster, remember more, and just boosts our overall brain function. And exercise is also neuroprotective, so it actually improves our memory. 
In tandem with all the aforementioned benefits, it's been proven now that those who exercise are on average 10 to 20 years younger than their non-exercising counterparts. So this is like a freebie for longevity, okay? One study that I love that was conducted at the University of Birmingham and the Institute of Inflammation and Aging found that avid cyclists as old as 79 had healthy muscle and immune function equivalent to people 30 years younger than them who did not exercise. Researchers also reported the 79-year-old subjects also looked as biologically the same as a group of people aged 20 to 36 who did not exercise. So they had a major leg up. That's a huge, huge uh, age gap difference. D is for diet. Most of us know what our diet should like. And we've talked a lot on this podcast about different dietary perspectives within the plant-based world. And in general, um, my philosophy on diet, which is, I believe in bio-individuality and that we should ideally find a diet that works best for us, our genetic makeup, our background, et cetera, and also our, our conditions. But really one of the only hard and fast rules that I would say for me is getting rid of processed food. And so most of us know that we should be consuming whole foods and have a balanced intake of good quality carbohydrates, proteins, healthy fats. But in most, in reality, most of us are like, how am I supposed to stop eating? How? How? (laughs) So because we're addicted to processed foods, salt, sugar, and stimulants like caffeine, here's the thing. Processed foods are designed to be addictive. Chemicals, additives, sugar, and salt are added to entice consumers to overeat those foods. Sugar affects the brain in the same way as hard drugs, which can trigger addiction. So how can we ensure that our diet is nourishing? Well, there are way too many popular diets, and there's a whole bunch of health gurus claiming that their diet is the best way. I think the more that you know about nutrition, again, the more you believe in bio-individuality. Somebody else's perfect food is another person's poison. So let's get rid of processed foods. Let's steer clear of GMOs or genetically engineered foods as much as possible. And and that's an immediate way to start getting your diet in a better direction. So some essential ways that you can ensure that you're actually providing yourself with real food or real nourishment. You can shop the perimeter of the grocery store where all the real food is. (laughs) You could read your labels and avoid high fructose corn syrup, added sugars, excess sodium, MSG, and other harmful additives. You can consume as much organic produce as possible. And if you need help with this and figure out how to save money, um, download the environmental working groups list of the Dirty Dozen. And that'll help you figure out which, which produce you really should get organic and which you can actually get non-organic and save some cash. Going for organic and local, ideally, if you have a farmer's market, go there. Avoid heavy pesticides as much as possible. I mean, one of the hugest unseen health problems created by our food supply is a large amount of antibiotics, and that comes through pesticides, also through animal um, products and animal meats, of course, that are force-fed grains and administered hormones and antibiotics. So pay attention to where you're getting your meat from if you are consuming meat. And um, if you are not consuming meat, don't worry about that, but worry more so about the pesticides. One round of antibiotics can actually leave you without a normal healthy gut flora for up to two years. And so when you think about the amount of pesticides that we could be consuming that could do that same damage or the, the, you know, other meat products that we could be consuming that could do the same damage, 
most of us are going to end up with gut issues. And so it's a great way to protect your gut is to eat real food, eat organic, and make sure you're sourcing your food from places you know. Okay. And then other ways that, you know, you could always work with a practitioner um, because you do want to find a diet that serves you well. Look at any health conditions you have, food allergies, and ancestral diets and background. So quick study at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, participants in the study were observed for eight to nine years, and they consumed one to two servings of green leafy vegetables daily. And those who did that actually experienced fewer memory problems and cognitive decline compared to the group who did not. Um, The participants in the group who ate greens twice daily had brains that were actually 11 years younger than those that did not. So just eating your greens and eating greens maybe twice a day can help your brain age slower as well. All right, the first S is for supplements. I used to be one of those woo-woo-y people that didn't believe in multivitamins. And then um, while I was getting my master's, we watched this documentary called That Vitamin Movie. Highly, highly recommend it. Changed my mind forever. Of course, there are substances and supplements that should be avoided. There's towel, hydrogenated oils, artificial colors, magnesium serrate, and very low quality um, supplements which, you know, these things are added for different reasons. But luckily, there are many brands that are actually great quality. So why do we need supplementation? Well, the soil quality is poor. Our food is transported usually from long distances. And frankly, most of us are way too busy to eat balanced, perfect meals every single day. So even for those who are near perfect, you're bound to have some nutritional gaps. And supplements basically just help you fill in those nutritional gaps. So here are some of the basic supplements that I always tell people they need. You need a multivitamin. You need vitamin D3 for sure. These days with COVID, anywhere from 2,000 to 5,000 IU is acceptable. Um, You need omega-3 fatty acids. And this can be in the form of fish oil or algae base if you are a vegan or vegetarian. Um, Very important for brain and emotional health. And a probiotic. And you can get probiotics. You don't have to take a pill. You can actually eat fermented foods. Um, things like sauerkraut, kimchi, all of that jazz. And these are the baseline supplements that I would give someone who is already healthy. If you have a health condition, there may be other things that you need. But when I approach supplementation, I approach it in different stages and levels, meaning it doesn't always have to be a pill or a vitamin you go pick up at a store. I look at supplementation um, as superfoods, herbs, and adaptogens, and I also look at it as vitamin therapy, which is the mega dosing of certain vitamins to produce a specific result in someone with a health condition. So, um, or even just someone without a health condition who wants to, you know, increase their immunity or heal something faster, et cetera. All right. The last S is for sleep. It's the last one child, but it, it should be the first one because sleep is the foundation of healthy living. I say this all the time to my clients. Don't forget it. Sleep is a foundation of healthy living, yet no one values it. Uh, Ariana Huffington, the founder of the Huff Post, famously had to get stitches on her forehead after overworking with no sleep, and now she preaches the gospel of sleep like it's her day job. But don't wait until it catches up with you and you got to get stitches, child, okay? I want y'all to value your sleep now. So one night of sleep deprivation makes you as insulin resistant as a type 2 diabetic, Long-term sleep deprivation is linked to diabetes, heart disease, obesity. Every time we're sleep-deprived, it influences the hormones that dictate our cravings. Our brain wants glucose ASAP, and we begin to crave high sugar and high-carb foods. When we don't sleep, we decrease our immune functioning, which we really need right now. 
studies have shown that people who get less than seven hours of sleep are more than three times more likely to develop a cold. Being sleep deprived strongly impairs human brain functioning and judgment. I personally became obsessed with sleep when I figured out that most of my weight loss clients who hit a plateau were under sleeping. And so if I focused in on their sleep, they'd be able to lose weight. So weight loss is another factor, or even weight maintenance. And then don't forget that sleep enhances our memory, our productivity, and is essential for the healing of any chronic condition. Here's some study facts. A study at Columbia University showed that getting less than four hours of sleep makes us 73% likely to be overweight. Getting five hours of sleep makes us 53% more likely to be overweight. And six hours makes us 23% more likely to be overweight. Child. So these were my five core fundamentals that can serve as the foundation of self-care. But if you are committed to achieving true self-care, but you don't have daily rituals, you're doomed to fail, child. Prioritizing self-care begins with creating and maintaining healthy habits. So desire can take you some of the way, but rituals is what helps you go to the distance. So rituals are daily, regular practices that allow you to take your meds, your mindfulness, your exercise, your diet, your supplements, your sleep, and our moments that make you feel joyful, make you feel alive, centered, and present, are life-giving, feed your mind and spirit or your body and spirit, and propel you towards your health and wellness goals. That's my definition of a ritual. And I focused on creating these for my clients. All right, y'all, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we will speak to our guest for today. Are you interested in living your best, healthiest life? I'm Asosa E, also known as The Raw Girl of therawgirl.com, and I'm a certified nutrition specialist and behavioral coach who specializes in helping you discover what exercise and diet is best for your body and get to the root cause and rebalance if you have a serious chronic condition. Clients who've worked with me have reversed diabetes, hypertension, balanced hormonally, gotten rid of acne for good, and lost hundreds of pounds. If you are interested in reaching your health goals with some support this year, visit therawgirl.com to sign up for a 20-minute call with yours truly. Until then, stay healthy and happy. I am super excited to announce the launch of the new destination I created for online programs called Staying Ageless University. At Staying Ageless University, we create epic content to teach you about holistic wellness and transformational healing programs to help you achieve extraordinary longevity. We believe that learning is an essential component of healing and creating lasting change, and every one of our programs are created from protocols that I have tried and tested on clients who have achieved optimal wellness by following them. Our signature programs include Staying Ageless 30 Plus, which is designed to help women 30 plus interested in staying fly till you're 99 or close to it, create lasting healthy rituals, and the all-new Raw Girls Hormonal Balancing Academy for women suffering with fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, or menopausal symptoms if you're ready to use holistic means to take control of your hormones and get your life back. We also have two new programs that are amazing for New Year's Clean Starts, Detox Your Life, which includes 30-day plant-based detox, either raw or vegan, and candida and parasites be gone for those who are ready to kick candida overgrowth or parasites to the curb for good. 
Enrollment is now open for three of our programs and we officially launch January 1st, 2021. You can learn more about us and our program offerings at stayingagelessuniversity.com. Hope to see you in class. John A. DeFelicis is a writer, speaker, wellpreneur, and stress and mindset coach. She's also an influencer and content creator in the health, wellness, and beauty space and host of the Happy Joy, a women's wellness podcast where her purpose is to help women do the work to maintain a happy, healthy, and wholesome life. Hello, John A. DeFelicis. Thank you so much for being here today on Sing Ageless. Hello, and thank you for having me. So I want to talk about stress, but before we get into that, I'm curious as to, I guess, what led you to start writing about health and wellness, and then it seems like now you ventured into being a stress and mindset coach. So I guess just a little bit about your journey and how you got to doing that. Sure. So I am a full-time wellpreneur, and um, my wellpreneur journey started at an early age. You know, my mom, you know, she was into holistic health and herbalism and, and alternative uh, medicine and basically got me on that at an early age. So um, I've always been health conscious, um, movement wise. Um, throughout the years, I've been involved with movement of some sort, sort whether it be um, dance or volleyball. Um, and then I developed an interest and a passion for emotional and mental health during my adult years. Um, I graduated high school at 16, didn't take a gap year thereafter. I went straight into college at 17, and I did a lot during that four-year span. I completed the four-year program consecutively. I completed about a total of like five or six internships, and I worked part-time at the same time. Um, So I was doing a lot during that time. Um, And then Right before I graduated, I got hired on full time uh, at a corporate uh, in a corporate setting, and so uh, the first four years of adulting for me basically shaped my work life balance, and it was extremely poor at the beginning, and that ultimately led me to burnout later on down the line. And you know, one thing about burnout it's it's not fun, especially if you're creative. Um, you know, it's it's hard to do your best work and it's hard to show up as your best self every day when you're burnt out and when you're mentally, physically and emotionally drained. And so I learned the hard way that it's important to prioritize and practice self-care, stress management uh, and, and have a good work life balance consistently. That's what inspired me to become a stress and mindset coach. And that's what inspired my why. And my why is to, you know, help and inspire others to lead a happy, healthy and wholesome life. And as a stress and mindset coach, you know, I help busy women stress less by getting organized and prioritizing self-care. So that's okay, a- interesting. Mm-hmm. So what is what does it mean to help someone organize and prioritize self-care? Like, how do we actually execute that in our day to day in real time? Uh, in terms of self-care, having a personalized self-care routine based on your needs and based on your interests and in terms of getting organized, um, you know, my formula for that is simplify, automate and delegate. So, um, you know, with with daily to do lists, it's best to, you know, keep your priorities to like three to five tasks a day and not overwhelm yourself or overwork yourself or um, set unrealistic expectations for yourself, um, it's, it's best to like pace yourself so that you don't burn out. Um, and um, automate and delegate, you know, 
I believe in maximizing your productivity and focusing on things that you're good at in order to do that. And so like whatever eats up your time, whatever takes you a long time to finish or complete, that's kind of like out of your wheelhouse. I believe that it's best to either automate or delegate those tasks so that you can maximize your time and maximize your productivity. And, you know, that's my trick for organization. So. No, I think that that's a big thing. I think it's a big thing for entrepreneurs. I think it's a big thing just for black women, for moms, for women in general. It's just like, hey, let's stop wearing the superhero cape and realize that we actually might benefit from having somebody else do this thing that we can't stand doing anyway. Right. Or just even somebody who's just better at it, who they get excited by organizing stuff. Like I love giving stuff to people who love doing that stuff because I don't like it. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Um, okay. And what would your, I'm always very curious about this because I have my own definition of self-care. What is your definition of self-care? It's doing things that, the, the practice of doing things that are nourishing to your mind, body, and spirit. And my approach to self-care is that it should be a daily practice rather than an occasional indulgence. Yeah. Yeah. So my definition of self-care, and I have a whole entire lecture on this, is to take your meds. And so that's mindfulness, exercise, child, am I going to remember them all? Diet, supplements, and sleep. So those those for me are the foundation because I think a lot of people think of self-care as like, let me go get that manicure. And it's like, you got diabetes, sis. You might want to reel that back and handle <laughs> handle your nutrition first. <laughs> So, no, I like it. So nourishing mind, body, spirit. Perfect. Perfect. So when it comes to stress and like ultimately burnout, what are the signs that we should look out for that are that we're like we're about to head down that down that road? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, I know for me, it was um, exhaustion, physical exhaustion, uh, overwhelm feeling scatterbrained and all over the place. Um, but yeah, if you feel yourself like your battery basically running out and draining, that's that's a key sign that you're on your way to burnout. Yeah, I would add to that. I think that a really insidious, like, but, but very subtle thing that happens too sometimes is that you kind of lose your joy. Like you stop mm-hmm. like, you stop liking showing up for stuff. You're like... Uh, I could really just sleep in. Like, I don't even want to get up in the morning. I feel like that is a sign, especially if you're someone who actually does, you're working in your purpose, you're doing your thing, but all of a sudden you feel like, I don't feel like getting up anymore. Yeah. That's, I think, <laughs> I think that's a sign. And I think another sign for some people is you're spending all of your free time doing escapist things like and now it's harder to do that because now quarantine has forced, forced people to deal with themselves. But most people use, you know, binge drinking, binge eating, all these things to go like, you know what I mean? Release the pent up frustration of being on, burned out, basically. <laughs> For sure. And, you know, there are healthy outlets and there are unhealthy outlets. One of my favorite outlets are creative outlets. So things like journaling, doing artistic things, those are healthy outlets, you know, because as an introvert, I have, I've had a habit of holding things in, holding my thoughts in, thinking, you know, I think things through internally. 
And, you know, I, I need an outlet to basically get that out where, you know, an outlet that I'm comfortable with to get those thoughts out. And for me, that's journaling. And, and for someone else, it could be sports. It can be anything artistic, anything really. But yeah, the unhealthy outlets like uh, binge drinking and things like that, um, it's not a good thing to resort to, you know, when yeah. you're on burnout. So yeah, I agree. And what, explain to me, I guess, what the mindset portion of your coaching is. Because, I mean, in what I do, I'm mindset coaching 24-7. <laughs> because you got to get people to focus in on, okay, these are my health goals. This is what I need to achieve. But then you also have to deal with, like, so much stuff that we come with, with our relationship to food and the emotional stuff. So I'm just curious as to what the mindset focus part of your work um, entails. That part about getting organized, that's that's my bread and butter as a mindset. You know, mindset is everything and changing your mindset changes your life uh, holistically, you know, from a mind, body, spirit perspective. And so, yeah, my focus is more so on the emotional and mental aspect of mindset. Um, so, yeah. So it's more about trying to uh, refocus by getting clear on these are the different, you know, compartments that I need to create in my life, or these are the different things I need to level up on to get to the end goal. Yeah. Getting organized. So that whole simplify, automate, delegate makes a huge difference in, you know, how you show up daily. And, and, um, you know, there's other things that go into mindset, you know, you know, first and foremost, my faith in God plays a major role with, you know, me keeping my mind in the right place. And that kind of goes into self-care, you know, things like prayer, fasting, daily devotion, uh, consuming things that are nourishing to the mind, body and spirit. You know, I'm not just talking about food. You know, it's also important to be mindful of the books, the music and the media that you consume, because what we consume influences our mindset and our behavior. Um, retraining your brain with positive self-talk, you know, affirmations are extremely helpful when it comes to that. Um, you know, what you believe about yourself on the inside, it, you know, it affects your external reality. And so, you know, in the mornings, you know, my my mantra is I am healthy, I am wealthy and I am successful, you know. So, you know, stuff like that, it's really important. Um, so, yeah. And then whatever dreams or ambitions that you may have, you know, it's important to write the vision and make it plain. You know, that's a key factor when it comes to the heart, the art of the, the start and when it comes to achieving your goals, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's a mix of things. Yes, for sure. Um, I do think that the, you know, the spiritual aspect and the barrier aspect comes on so many levels. Like I've, um, we had a really great conversation on this podcast with a Chinese medicine doctor who was just talking about your immunity and resilience and how your immunity and your resilience is actually informed by all of your inputs, including the spiritual inputs. So it's like, if I'm out here 24 seven on the gram, or on YouTube or whatever, and I'm not paying attention to what I'm allowing to come into my brain space, I'm not directing this, then I could literally change my emotions within. That's the thing that I think is the most dangerous about social media, right? It's like, we could literally go from being like, in a great mood, like having living your best life to, oh, no, like, why did that just happen? You know, and like, you've gone through this whole symphony of emotions. So I do think that that is super important for people And I mean, most of my clients find, I mean, sometimes I have to tell people literally to sit with Jesus for a good hour before in the morning, because it's like, if you have faith, you need to practice it in order to actually reap the benefits. And if you don't 
do it regularly, you're going to feel anxious and unsettled and all that stuff. What about the busy trap? Because most people are just, they're like, well, that's cute. I think it would be great to practice self-care, but I'm too busy. I'm a mom. I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have time. Yeah. You know, it's the small acts of of self-care that make the biggest impact. So just like incorporating, you know, things to your daily routine that um, align with mindfulness. So doing things like uh, when you first wake up, um, praying, you know, doing your devotion, meditating, journaling, eating a healthy, nutritious breakfast, um, stretching in the mornings when you're at work, uh, taking time to pause and take breaks. Um, when, you know, having healthy work-life balance. So, you know, with me, you know, I have an office because I, I like to leave work at work and then at home, that's our place to kind of like unwind, relax and unplug. So, you know, you know, my husband and I, we try to keep our bedroom a no tech zone. So no phones, no laptops, because we don't want to be in there working. We want to relax. And, you know, um, you know, I even, you know, turn my phone off in the evenings and, you know, I have an old school alarm clock because I don't want my phone to be the first thing that I grab when I wake up in the morning. So it's things like that that um, can have a positive effect on your mindset and on your focus. No, for sure. No, for sure. I think so. I think that's a great, um, that's a great one. Definitely just the little, little boundary setting is really important. I think for a lot of people who work for themselves, Um, I will say this too, from my experience, it's like, it becomes hard to turn stuff off. So I think the easiest, like for me, the easiest way to turn it off is to literally designate specific times where things are shut down. So in my case, I take a Sabbath every week. I'm really intense about it. Don't call me. Don't talk to me on a Sabbath. I'm going to be out in nature or I'm going to be doing something relaxing. And I find that if I don't take it, I hit burnout. No, it's just, it's like, it's like predictable burnout. It's like, okay, this is, you're going to now, your immunity is going to go down or something's going to happen. And that's the one thing that I always try to make my clients realize is that if you don't build in self-care, it's almost like God is like, well, um, since you don't want to build it in, I'm just going to, you're just going to get sick. And now you're going to have to deal with yourself and, and slow down. So sometimes people get sick or get illnesses or, or health conditions because it's actually requiring you to stop and look at your life and take a moment and appreciate stuff and realize that you don't need to be running a rat race. So it's like, don't get to the point where you got to be humble to the place where you got a health problem. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And some people need written reminders to just remember, oh, you know, maybe I shouldn't spend hours at a time on my phone. So like, you know, you can put little stickies around the house if that's helpful that says no phones here or, you know, <laughs> right. At this time, cause it, it does help. Right. No, I love it. Any last things that you think would be really helpful for anyone who's um, trying to figure out how in the world to prioritize like self-care and reducing their stress? Like I said, write it, write it down. And sometimes if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. You know, have you heard that before? So, you know, sometimes you have to schedule in time for self-care in the beginning when you're not used to prioritizing it. And then once it becomes habit, then it kind of becomes easier. It becomes a part of the routine and it becomes easier to practice it daily. 
Yep. And we do that in my programs. I'm really big on this. I always say it's not real unless it's in your planner because nothing is real unless it's in my planner. I won't show up. You'll be like, where'd she go? (laughs) So so that is a really good one, especially because I think especially busy women love to schedule things, Mm -hmm. right? But we don't, we forget that like, and I say this to my clients all the time, where are you in your planner? Everybody else is in your planner, but you. So your kids are in your planner, your husband's in your planner, you got to make meals, you got to do all this stuff, but you haven't put any time to literally be alone with yourself or, you know what I mean, go to therapy, get a massage, do the things you need to do to actually stay in your right mind. Right. Exactly. Schedule it in if you have to. All right. Y'all heard it. Schedule it in. Um, Thank you so much, Johnna. Where can people find you online? Thank you. And uh, my website is justjohnnae.com. And on social media, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, it's justjohnnae. Okay, awesome. And we'll link in the show notes, maybe a few of your articles on self-care. Awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. it's time to take a question from Instagram or email. Remember, if you would like to have your question answered on the show, all you got to do is send me a DM, slide up in my DMs, respond to the call for questions on my profile at The Raw Girl, or contact me via my website, therawgirl.com. Today, we have a question from LaTanya who asks, I really want to prioritize exercise in 2021, but I feel like whenever I make a resolution, I don't follow through. Any tips for your girl on how to not lose momentum with my routine? (laughs) Hi, LaTanya. Great questions. Yes, I got tips for your girl. This could be answered with a very lengthy explanation, but I'll try to keep it short. There are several things you can do. The first thing I would start with is identifying your why. One of the reasons why we don't repeat certain healthy habits is we don't have a compelling enough reason to do it. This could be anything as vain as Hey, I have a beach vacay coming up. I'm trying to look good in my bathing suit. Or I want to be fitter to set a better example for my kids and play with them more often. Figure out what actually resonates with you for real and see if you can have a visual reminder of that that you look at every single day. In addition to that, I would say make sure that you actually choose a time to work out that works for your schedule and your willingness to do it. I have clients who try to work out at night knowing good and gosh darn well that they don't have the energy after work. In that case, moving the workout to the morning can be helpful. You also need visual cues for your habit in order to make it stick. If you need to lay out your work clothes the night before or pack a gym bag with you to work to make sure that you create a visual cue that reminds you you're supposed to be working out, then do that. Last but not least, find you some accountability. Scheduling workout dates with a trainer or even a tough friend. You don't want that wimpy friend. You want that friend who's going to call you out. That will help you show up more often. We are less likely to want to lose face when others are involved or let anyone else down. So use that to your advantage. I hope this helps you. All right, you guys, that is today's episode. I hope it gave you a new way to think about self-care. Remember that self-care and our wellness practices in general need to be holistic in order to be the most impactful on our well-being. 
If you're looking for an exercise to help you get a sense of how you're doing in different areas of your life, I highly recommend doing my wellness wheel exercise. I will have that linked in the show notes for anyone who is interested. This week, make sure to put in your planner some form of self-care. If it's not scheduled, it's not real. And guess what? It's not a priority. And if you are a woman 30 plus and you are ready to level up your rituals, don't forget staying ages 30 plus is back and in full effect February 28th. We only open this class twice a year and we will close the doors several days before the date or when we get full. So sign up for a call now if you're interested to see if it's a good fit for you. Today, I leave you with a quote by Parker Palmer who said, self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have the gift I was put on earth to offer others. I hope that you take the time to be a good steward of your health by prioritizing your self-care this week. Well, that's all for today, sis. If you're looking for more health tips or have a question for the show, find me on Instagram at therawgirl. You can also find me and contact me through my website, therawgirl.com. For more on the show or to listen to past episodes, visit stayingagelessshow.com. To watch the videos of our podcast interviews, subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Raw Girl. 